Well, good morning, Cornerstone. My name's Chris Hay. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, happy Father's Day. Terry said it well, and uh, I just, uh, I love being a father, and now my son is a father, and uh, that's just so exciting. My dad is in heaven like Terry's dad. My dad's love Jesus and, and uh, uh, love him, and what an influence and what a, what a heritage he gave to uh, his three boys and a daughter, and uh, so thankful to be here. So happy Father's Day. Well, we've been in Romans 8 for quite a while now, but hopefully we're going to finish up Romans 8 in the next couple of weeks. I would really encourage you to get your Bibles and turn to Romans 8, because we're going to be all over this chapter this morning, and you really need to see the text as we, as we bounce back and forth around it. Uh, last week, Todd presented us with two questions, and he answered the first one, uh, which is based on chapter 8 and verse 13. And, and that question was, what are the deeds of the body that we are to put to death? 8.13 says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, so what are these deeds of the body? There's, there's, this, there's a tension between the deeds of the body, or what we call the flesh, Paul calls the flesh, and living by the Holy Spirit. There's a tension between these two ways of living. The deeds of the body in verse 13 that Paul's talking about are, are all of those sinful things inside of us that are contrary to God's ways and God's will. Uh, we'll explain more about that in a minute. We can't live in the flesh and in the spirit at the same time. There, there is this tension. It's one or the other. Uh, one commentator calls the spirit and the flesh the two great powers of salvation history. In fact, in verses 6 and, and in verse 13, it says that the flesh is trying to kill us. Verse 6 says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But we, as the sons and daughters of the king, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us and living in us. And, and, we can, and, and when we live by the Spirit, it leads to life and peace. And he enables us to put to death those deeds of the body. The rest of verse 13 says, But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all, verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. But we need to make sure we understand what Paul means by the flesh when he, when he talks about that, or the deeds of the body. Flesh and deeds of the body interchangeable here. Uh, in verses 7 and 8, he says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. It doesn't submit to God's word. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The term the flesh or the deeds of the body refers to a mindset and it refers to attitudes that are contrary to God and his ways. Or as verse 7 says, those attitudes that are hostile to God and do not submit to God's word. These are things that keep us away from God. Now this mindset that is opposed to God is in us. As Todd has been teaching us, the problem is me. It's not out there. It's not those people and those guys and whoever they, those people are. It's me. It's inside me. It's my natural tendency 
to rebel, to disobey, to seek my own comfort, to, to uh, please myself rather than to please God. It's, to live, it's, it's that natural tendency to live contrary to God's word. It's my tendency to want my own way and to be in control. Any control freaks out there? Raise your hands. Yes, I see those hands. Great. That is the natural tendency of the flesh. This mindset that is contrary to God is so subtle and so deceptive and so dangerous because it leads to death. Remember, remember Todd's illustration about the snakehead. Uh, when, 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 he, when he killed that rattlesnake, he cut the head off. And on the one hand, the snake is dead. On the other hand, it's still dangerous. There's still poison in the fangs. And so we are dead to sin and dead to the flesh, but it's still dangerous. Let me share a personal story of how, how this tension has looked in my life over these past weeks and months. And maybe it's because we've been in quarantine and, and we've been isolated and the world is so weird and strange. Um, but anyway, Dawn and I have found ourselves seduced by the flesh, seduced by the, the deeds of the body. There was a selfish, destructive attitude inside of us that kept whispering in our ears, it's not right that you don't live close to your kids and close to your grandkids. That's just wrong. Today's Father's Day and my kids are thousands of miles away. It's not right. And it created in us this, this sinful restlessness, this discontent in our souls. We had a trip planned in April. All of us were going to be together and it got canceled like everybody else's trips that got canceled and anniversaries and weddings and all this kind of stuff. And we began to feel like, maybe like you did, we began to feel like it's not fair. This isn't right. We deserve better than this. Now there's nothing wrong with visiting our kids or being close to our kids or living close to our kids. That in itself is not what is contrary to the mindset of God, but feeling entitled to it or letting that desire dictate my thinking to the point that it becomes an idol, that is contrary to God. And we slowly and painfully began to realize that we were wanting this more than we wanted to please God. Did we really, I mean, we, we, we had to get to this point where we were asking ourselves this question and almost with an affirmative answer. Did we really want our kids more than we wanted God? I mean, that's idolatry. That's sin. That is wrong. That's the flesh rearing its ugly head inside of us. And it leads to death. That, that, those desires were inside us. Nobody imposed them on us. Nobody out there pushed them on us. That was in us. And we had to repent of this and, and we had to change our thinking from I deserve this to Lord, I desire this. We desire this, but we, we submit to your will. So, so how do we expose those subtle, deceptive mindsets of the flesh? How, how do we expose them, and then put them to death so that we can live by the Spirit in life and peace. 
Well, this morning I want to look at the second question that Todd brought up last week, and that is, how do we put the deeds of the body to death? What are the deeds of the body? And then, now today, how do we put the deeds of the body to, to death? So for the rest of our time, I want to give you five needs. If you're taking notes, uh, I'm going to have five points. Five needs that we have to enable us to expose the deeds of the body and then put them to death. Five needs. Here we go. First of all, we need the Holy Spirit. We need help. Like a man dying of thirst who needs water, we need the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and our minds and our attitudes. Listen to the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians 2, uh, in verse 10. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, and that would be that mindset of the flesh, those deeds of the body. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We need the Holy Spirit to give us the ability, to give us even the desire to search and to expose and then to strangle that mindset of the flesh that is hostile to God. And then he enables us to walk in those ways that are pleasing to God. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can save us from ourselves. And when the Holy Spirit, when we're living by the Spirit, it brings life and peace, Romans 8 says. The second need we have, we need to remember who we are. We need to remember who we are. We have the Holy Spirit, yes, but because of who we are, we have the Holy Spirit. We not only need him, but we have him. Have him. Those of us who are followers <clears throat> excuse me, of Jesus are the sons and daughters of the eternal sovereign God. We're kids of the king. Do you get that? Kids of the king. Jesus is our savior and his death and his resurrection paid the price for our sin and he rescued us from death and he made the way for a personal relationship with him. He's not some distant out there God. He, we can have a personal relationship with Jesus. And when Jesus returned to heaven 2,000 years ago, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us and to never, ever leave us. We have him. We need to remember who we are. Verse 9 in Romans 8 says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. This is our identity. This is who we are. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit does not belong to him. Flip that logic around. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. But you see, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. But you can. And today's the day. Talk to those who are with you, who are in the living room or wherever you're watching this from. Talk to the people that are with you. Or if you're alone, contact us. Like, like Billy said earlier, text BELIEVE to that number that I think is on your feed or it'll be on the, the screen at the end of the service here. Text that number in and, and, and someone can 
can talk to you and meet with you, or maybe not physically meet with you, but at least talk you through what it means to trust in Jesus alone for life and salvation. As believers, we are not obligated to live by the flesh. Verse 12, back to verse 12. Because of who we are, we are not debtors to the flesh. Our identity is in Christ. You know, you know, Dawn and I could be pretty happy, and I put happy in quotes there, just sitting around and brooding and thinking and talking about how unfair life is and feeling defeated and sad and sorry for ourselves that we can't be with our kids. Uh, we, we, we could do that. We actually have done that. Unless and if the Holy Spirit doesn't remind us of who we are. And that we're living to please and serve our Heavenly Father. We are His kids. And He is with us all the time. And that leads to life and peace and joy and contentment. But it requires us to keep our thoughts and our minds focused on Him. And that leads to the third need that we have. And that is that we need to set our minds on the things of the Holy Spirit. Okay, as his kids, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. So let's not ignore him. Ignoring him is what gets us in trouble with ourselves. We need to keep remembering who we are. We are sons of the king. We are kids of the king. <clears throat> we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And so we set our mind, minds on the things of the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 5 and 6 of Romans 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. To set our minds on something refers to those things that we think about a lot. It's what shapes our attitudes and our perspectives and our our philosophy of life it's what goes into our minds it's it's what we read and what we watch and what we listen to those that's that's setting your mind on something is putting those things into our minds it's what we ponder and what we think about when we can't sleep at night I don't know if you can't sleep at night like I can't but man my mind goes all night long and what are the things whatever I've been putting into my mind are those things that come back into my mind in, in, in the nighttime when my mind just starts going. I was actually reworking this sermon all night in my sleep because this sermon had been so much on my mind I was ready to get up and rewrite the whole thing at six o'clock this morning. What goes into our minds is what comes out as we think and ponder. Paul repeats the same, same idea in Colossians 3.2 when he says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Same thing, set your mind on things that are above, things of the spirit. So we've got to ask ourselves, where are we getting our attitudes and our perspectives about people and society and racial issues and the marginalized and, and the stock market and money and work and jobs? Where are we getting our attitudes and our perspectives on those things? 
If we set our minds on earthly, fleshly things, if we listen to our own wisdom or the wisdom of others who don't have the Holy Spirit living in them, and we use our own fleshly, earthly desires to develop our attitudes, well, that leads to death. I mean, everything logical says you should live close to your kids. We love our kids. They love us. Everything logical and reasonable says you should do that. But right now, the Holy Spirit hasn't provided that. But when we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, when we let the Holy Spirit and His Word and His ways shape our thinking about these difficult issues, that brings life and peace. And I mean, really, how much, how much peace have we had lately? How much peace are you getting from the news and from social media? How much, how much peace do you get when you read all those posts and all those feeds? I can't get past one or two and I'm done. There's no peace there. Maybe, maybe we've shared this with you before, I can't remember, but um, Dawn thought I had. But anyway, one of the things that we have been doing in the last probably couple years is before we go to bed at night, we, we, we discovered YouTube. I know a lot of you have known about it for a long time, but we discovered YouTube. And uh, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of bad stuff on YouTube, but there's a lot of great stuff on there. And the last thing we do before we go to bed is we'll put on a Michael W. Smith music video or, or we'll listen to uh, the, the Gettys, Mike, uh, uh, Keith and Kristen Getty, or we'll listen to um, uh, Sovereign Grace music. Uh, we discovered uh, that song, He is Worthy, that we've been singing the last several weeks here at church by, by Andrew Peterson. And uh, we knew it before you all did because we've been listening to it on YouTube and it's so encouraging. And so when we go to bed, those are the things that we've put into our minds just before we fall asleep. So instead of all the noise out there, we need something that inspires us. Something that challenges us. Something that lifts us up. Something that exposes our faulty thinking. And something that points us to the right path and teaches us the correct way to think about life and think about all the stuff going on in the world. And so the Holy Spirit, the one whom we need and, and the one who lives in us and will never leave us, he inspired a book called the Bible. The word of God. And it does all those things. It, it inspires us and it challenges us and it lifts us up and it exposes our faulty thinking. And that's the fourth thing that we need is we need the word of God. The word of God is where we need to set our minds. God used his word to expose some of the faulty thinking that Don and I had this path that we were headed down, feeling sorry for ourselves. The other morning, we were reading Psalm 25 together, and I got to verse 5, and she said, whoa, 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 stop right there. And we never got past verse 5. But that began a conversation that exposed our wrong thinking, and, and there were tears, and we realized the sinful flesh inside of us needed to be killed it was reading God's word that gave us the right perspective that we needed so that we could put to death the deeds of the body. Put to death those, those things of wrong thinking. I have no doubt they will continue to rear their ugly head at times, but we continue to use the word 
to strangle those, expose those things and strangle those things. These past weeks and months of COVID and quarantine and businesses closing and jobs being lost and racial tension and protests and violence, it sent us scurrying looking for answers. What is going on? How do we think about this? What's true? What is overreaction? What's right? We've been processing all this and we've been asking a lot of questions. We've been asking, where do we get our understanding of how justice works? Do we turn to the Constitution? Or do we turn to God's word? Where do we get our perspective on current events? Do we, do we turn the TV news on? Do we go to Facebook? Do we go to social media? Or do we open the Bible? Where do we get our views on race issues and social issues and all this kind of stuff that's going on? Do we get it from social media? Do we get it from the right? Do we get it from the left? <coughs> or from God's word? We need to be so careful what we set our minds on. There is so much out there that is just plain hype and emotion and manipulation and just plain lies and trying to service an agenda. I even heard a commentator this week on secular radio say that the internet is a cesspool. That's great. Is that where we want to swim and get our views on things, a cesspool? Immerse yourself in God's word. That's where, should be that's, that's where we should be swimming. The Holy Spirit who reminds us of who we are inspired the word of God, but he also empowers all of you, all the body of Christ, all the people in the body, people from every race and language and color and nation. If we are going to be successful in starving these things inside us that pull us away from the spirit, these deeds of the, of the body and of the flesh, then we need other people in our lives. We need people who love us enough to confront us and point out those areas where we're blind. And that's the fifth thing that we need. We need the people of God. Now, those of us who are married or if you have a roommate or in a very close relationship, how often does that other person point out areas of your life that you've missed? Yeah, I know, way too often. You see, when somebody lives, when we live in a close relationship with someone, they see our blind spots, they see our flaws. And in the same way, when we live closely with someone, we see their flaws and we see their blind spots. In Romans 12, 2, Paul is talking to the church body. He's talking to the group of believers. And he uses plurals in, in this verse, in verse 2. He's talking to you all, to all of us. And he says, you, all of you people, do not be conformed to this world, but all of you be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you, the people of God, may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We together determine and, and, and discern God's will. We can't do it alone. We are self-deceived. And the problem with that is, we are self-deceived. We don't even see it in ourselves. One manifestation of this mindset, contrary to God, this flesh, is that it is self-deceived. By definition, that means we can't see it in ourselves. 
So let me ask you a question. Do you, do you agree that we're each self-deceived? Do you, do you agree that each of us are self-deceived somewhere? Are you nodding? Is everybody nodding? If there's somebody in the room not nodding, please poke them. Everybody nodding. Okay, yes, we're all self-deceived somewhere. Okay, if that's the case, then we don't know where it is, do we? I like to say, in, in when we have these theological conversations, I like to say my theology is wrong. I just don't know where. When I get to heaven, God's going to straighten it all out. But other people can see those blind spots in our lives. That's why we need each other. And when others point out those blind spots in love and gentleness, let me, let me repeat that, in love and gentleness, then we can grow and we can live more and more in the spirit. We can become more and more like Jesus. And there's life and there's peace. And it's a beautiful thing. Our original question at the beginning of this message was, how do we put the deeds of the body to death? How do we strangle this mindset that is contrary to God? This mindset that is inside us, it's not out there, it's right here. How do, how do we strangle that? And how do we gain a mindset that submits to the Spirit and His will and His ways? And we looked at five needs that we have. We need the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and show us the mind of God. Show us where we are off base. We need to remember who we are. We are the people of God. We are the sons and daughters of the king. We're no longer obligated to live by the flesh. We need to set our minds on the things of the spirit, the things above. Not the things of the world, not the things of the flesh, not all the garbage out there, but set our minds on things of the spirit. And we need the word of God to give us true perspective on every issue in life. And fifthly, we need the people of God to speak into our lives out of love. Where are you setting your mind? What are you setting your mind on these days? What are the things that you're focused on and fixated on and allowing in? Make sure that they're the things of the Spirit. Make sure they're the things of the spirit that give life and peace and not the things of the flesh that are contrary to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, open our hearts and minds to understand who we are as children of the king, who we are as sons and daughters of the sovereign king of the universe, that we have the Holy Spirit living inside us and that as we bathe in the word of God, as we Fix our minds on things of the Spirit that you will expose and allow us to kill those deeds of the flesh that lead to death and allow us to live in the Spirit. Father, speak to each person in this quiet moment right now. In Jesus' name, amen.